Good afternoon and welcome to ID Technology Today. Uh, I'm your host, Chris Corum, editor of Avisian Publications, and we're talking about registered traveler today. And we're fortunate to have with us Charles Simon, who's the Senior Vice President for Public Policy with Verified Identity Pass. Uh, Verified Identity Pass is the, the registered traveler provider that's, that's deployed airports across the country, about 15 or 18 or so in all, and, and famous for their clear card program. So Charles, welcome and thank you for joining us. Well, Chris, thanks so much. It's my pleasure. Uh, as you said, uh, um, our, our clear program is now in 14 uh, airports around the country and uh, more coming online uh, every single day, uh, coming weeks, We're looking at Reagan and Dulles coming online. They've just uh, selected us. Oakland coming online as well. So um, rapidly approaching the 18 total airports that you described. Great. And, and, and Verified Identity Pass is certainly the, 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 the leading player right now with, with by far the majority of the airports under, under their control, or the, the programs, I should say, under, under their control. Um, but can you tell me a little bit about the company and, and how you got started and how, how you picked this, this program and things to, to, to sink into here? Yeah, it was really our CEO, uh, Steve Brill, after 9-11, he's a journalist. Um, who founded Court TV and founded The American Lawyer, and uh, after the tragedy of 9-11, wrote a book called Appropriately After, and really focused on how we responded as a country to the Homeland Security challenges in the wake of that tragedy. And growing out of that book, Steve developed a really, I think, very heightened sense of where there were opportunities to improve the way uh, that we manage risk in this country and at the same time uh, improve the lives of people who had to go through security checkpoints. And so that's where this, uh, con this company uh, grew from, this notion that we could both manage risk much more intelligently and therefore improve um, aviation security overall and at the same time make life more convenient not just for members of this program, but for everybody else as well. Okay. Uh, well, and, and, and certainly any of us who, who travel frequently through airports know that uh, the security screening process can be a, can be a major time-consuming affair, so anything to, to speed that up and make the airport safer is great. Um, that w and, and just, Chris, on that one uh -huh. point, I think it's worth pointing out that we spend a lot of time talking to our customers and our potential customers, and I think what you just said is absolutely right. What frustrates people, among other things, um, but maybe most of all is the lack of predictability right. when they go to the airport. People just don't know, is it going to take me five minutes or is it going to take me an hour? Um, and they want predictability. Uh, they want speed. They want convenience. And, uh, and that's what we're responding to from the customer's perspective, even at the same time as we're addressing the homeland security needs and the aviation security needs um, by having these people be biometrically verified of course, on a purely voluntary basis, every single time uh, that they use our facility, and then having them voluntarily go through a security threat assessment uh, by the, the Transportation Security Administration, which is something that happens uh, for anybody else who flies. So right. uh, we really have struck that balance. Well, and I, I think as a, as a flyer, I would love for everyone to have been through the additional background checks in addition to going through the screening there on the site. 
I guess if everyone had gone through that and everyone was going through the the clear lines or the registered traveler lines, though, we might not be we might not be benefiting from from moving a little faster through. So it might defeat you, might defeat the purpose. But well, I'll tell you what's interesting about that point, though, is that um, this program is much more than just a front of the line program, uh, and that's it, I'm, I'm I'm happy you raised the point um, because if it were just a front of the line program, then you're right. Uh, at the end of the day, there's no such thing as a front-of-the-line program if everyone's in the front-of-the-line program. Right. But this is very much more than that. And a great example of that is a program that we started uh, with TSA's approval at our Indianapolis site. Um, and it's our revesting concierge program, which is just a fancy way of saying that we pay for additional staff uh, who works on the TSA side of the table, on the other side of the x-ray machine, who helps people to get their goods out of the bins, helps them to move their bins down away from uh, the x-ray machine, and is a smiling face at the same time. And that person, in combination with our attendants on the front side of the security process who are helping people to get stuff into their bins, on a combined basis, when we did a four-day test against the TSA line that was right next to the line where our uh, additional uh, attendants uh, we're playing that role, it was a 29.7% increase in throughput, in the speed of throughput in that line. So this really is much, it's about much more than just putting people in the front of the line. It's, it's really about moving people through faster. And, you know, the, the, the thing that we did most recently, um, consistent with that priority and vision that we've got, is to announce uh, this $500,000 clear innovation prize that will go to the first team that can come up with a TSA-approved solution for a airport security checkpoint that increases throughput by at least 15%. Um, and that we're incredibly excited about, and we've gotten this incredible response from all sorts of people all over the world saying, I want to participate in that program. So that's, that's part of it. It really is about getting people through faster and more predictably. That's great. Well, and I think that's... That, I appreciate you you bringing that up because that is one of the complaints. If people people who are following the the the, the blogs and the stuff out there on the internet writing about the the registered traveler program, a lot of times the complaint that they'll make is that it it seems like it's just a free pass to go to the front of the line. I've always found that a little bit a little bit ironic anyway because the whole idea if you move some people from one line into another, those people are maybe moving a little more quickly, but the other people are moving more quickly too. So, so no, even think, if it I, was just that, it's still right. a benefit for everyone. And Chris, you're absolutely right. Obviously, I mean, the, the perfect analogy here in the New York area, it's easy pass. It's the automated tolling on the, on the highways. Everybody moves faster, including the people who still pay cash on the highway by virtue of the fact that so many people now have those easy passes in their car. Right. Um, and we see that, and the perfect example is in our Orlando uh, program, which is our original program. On a given Monday morning, we probably represent about 15% of the traffic that moves to that airport. And so TSA dedicates exclusively for our use, it depends from day to day, but call it around 6 to 10% of their screening capacity. That means that we're taking 15% of the overall traffic and pushing it through less than 15% of TSA's capacity. And what that means is not only are our members going through very, very fast, but everybody else is going through faster too. Right. And, and so it really is something that improves not just aviation security, 
but the entire efficiency of the system. Um, so, and, and you know, I, you know, we're now approaching 100,000 members, um, but you know, we're confident that the market for the program overall is between five and 10 million. So, um, we've really excited about where we are in terms of numbers, and really excited about the about the rate of growth. But there's lots of room, um, and while we think, you know, why we uh, we obviously think that what we provide in terms of customer service and innovation um, and everything else that we offer is incredibly compelling. Um, we know that there's there's going to be competition, and we're expecting that, and we think it's the healthy thing for the program. So, following that thought, my the the idea that I have with that though is that you know with this chicken and the egg environment, you know we we were waiting on airports. Yep. as customers to get involved. You know, we wanted it to be at our airport or, or places we traveled regularly before we took the step to sign up for the program. And I'm sure some of the airports were waiting till they saw proof that the registered traveler concept was going to take off with the public. Yeah. So we had this chicken and the egg proposition, but it seems to me that that may be, may, you, you may be getting to the point where that's no longer the case. Would you yeah, agree with that? Yeah, I think, you know, there's always this, there's this interesting question of you know where exactly is the tipping point and are you on the front side of it or are you on the back side of it and uh, I really feel like we're at that tipping point right now um, and uh, you're now seeing more and more of the category X airports coming on board um, as I said the rate of growth is very very strong and so I think we've tipped uh, to use you know, Malcolm Gladwell's uh, framework great and. And, and you're really seeing less of that chicken and the egg at this point and just good momentum both in terms of airport growth and also in terms of member growth. Uh, and I, I agree from the standpoint of looking at it from my personal perspective with my travel being mostly generated, at least on the East Coast. It's the, it's the announcements of the airports in the, in the Washington, D.C. area and the New York area and others that are really – uh, and I, I know Atlanta is considering a program, I believe, at least from what I've read. And so yeah, those are they, kind of the locations that really will drive me. And I think, you know, probably everybody has their own their own major airports that they're they're looking for. And when that comes on, they'll they'll join. Yeah, I think that's right. Yep. What, as far as Atlanta, is there plans yeah, for Hartsfield? Atlanta, yeah. So Atlanta, it's, I think there's there's very good news in terms of Atlanta. Atlanta is very far along in their procurement process. So uh, they put out their request for proposals. They received bids. Um, the, the closing date for the receipt of bids was in early December. And you know, our understanding is that they'll be making a selection soon. And once they make a selection, and we certainly hope it's us, and uh, we think it'll be us, um, but that's not a process that we control directly, um, we believe that the program will then be launched very, very quickly, just as you're going to see now that we've been selected about a week ago now by Reagan and Dulles, we'll be up and running with both enrollments and then very shortly thereafter our verification services at Reagan and Dulles in the coming weeks. So Great. very soon you're going to see it up and running at Atlanta. And then again, part of the beauty of this national interoperable model is that whoever wins that bid, um, all registered traveler cardholders, um, including the nearly 100,000 clear members, will be able to use those registered traveler facilities uh, in the airport. Great. The and and that goes back to the the, the reason that that interoperability is guaranteed is because of the the original work by TSA on the registered traveler specs. Is that correct? 
It, well, and it really was driven by, uh, I think it was, it was really a collective vision of the government and of the industry. Everyone recognized that people didn't want to carry different cards. And people were going to want to have one card that worked. And so everyone agreed this needs to be interoperable. And the government actually looked to the industry group and said to the industry group, you folks go sit down and you develop the technical interoperability specifications, huh. which the industry group did uh, in great detail and brought it back to TSA. And TSA uh, blessed those specifications. And that's what is the framework for the, for the interoperable model. But it reflected the industry sitting down and working together and working out how it's all going to work and then bringing it to TSA. Okay. The, so, Charles, the, we, we talked about the, the new launches at DC, in D.C. and that, that Atlanta's got their bid on the street and, and yep. close to an announcement there. And I, I believe yep. you all won Denver toward the close of 07. Are there, are there other major airports or, or, or airports with bids out or pending installations that have been awarded? Well, the, the, the biggies, as you pointed out, um, we just uh, uh, are in the process of launching Denver as we speak. So that's in terms of both the enrollment services that we provide and the ability of clear members and other uh, cardholders from other companies to, to pass the lanes. That's happening as we speak. Uh, the same day that Reagan and Dulles announced their selection of clear to launch the program at Reagan and Dulles, which will be happening in the coming weeks. On the same day, Oakland announced their selection of CLEAR uh, to launch the program at Oakland as well, and so that will also be happening in the coming weeks. And what that means, which is very exciting, is that in the Bay Area, you now have complete coverage. Right. So San Jose was the first one. San Francisco came on board uh, starting in late summer uh, of last summer, and now with Oakland, you're going to have complete coverage in the Bay Area, and things have just been going gangbusters out there, um, people enrolling like crazy and then using their cards like crazy. So that's the other really exciting one. And then uh, the biggie one, the biggie that's, that's as you pointed out, um, really in the process of being finalized is, is Atlanta. And uh, we're expecting that they'll be making their decision soon and that the program will be launched there soon thereafter. Um, and Certainly with respect to other major airports, we're speaking with them all the time and fielding inquiries from them all the time. So uh, fully expect that you know, many other airports will be getting uh, their selection processes underway in, uh, in, in the coming weeks and months. Great. For, for those people who aren't as familiar with the program as others, can you, can you talk us quickly through the process from the, from the enrollment perspective? I, I walk into the airport and I, I see one of the clear uh, sign-up centers or, or kiosks there in the airport. Yep. What, what, actually, what actually happens? Yeah, it actually, it actually, ideally, the process starts before you even get to the airport. Um, in, in other words, there's, there's two key components to the enrollment process. There's the online enrollment process, and there is the in-person enrollment process. Uh, online means you can go to any computer and you go online to our website, which is flyclear.com, and uh, you are, are, are led through a very straightforward, probably 12 to 14 minute process in which we collect a bunch of biographic information that TSA asks us to collect. It's, it's you know a bunch more than appears on your license, um, but not as much as appears on a credit card application. Okay. We collect that information. We collect your credit card information at that point, although your card is not charged. And by going through that process, you've created your account. 
to complete your process, you need to do what's called in-person enrollment, which is to go to one of our in-person enrollment stations, like the one you just referred to at all of our airports, and we also have them in many of our downtown locations around the country, and that's where it's probably about an eight-minute process. We capture your biometrics, which means your fingerprints and, if you want, your iris, and we also scan uh, two forms of uh, positive photo identification. Generally speaking, that means license and passport. There are other possible combinations, but that's the easiest two. Again, that process takes about eight minutes. Uh, once we've done that, now you've got a completed application. That information is sent off to TSA. TSA conducts a speedy security threat assessment on you. Uh, once they come back and say that you're clear, uh, our card issuer issues you a card that has your biometrics encrypted on it. No need for a PIN or anything like that because, of course, your biometrics are the, are the ultimate PIN. And you can then take that card to any airport that has uh, a clear line or registered travel line uh, run by one of our competitors around the country. And very soon that will be 18 total airports, uh, including many of the, as I said, Category X largest airports. And you go to a dedicated line, insert your card. In a matter of seconds, uh, you're biometrically verified to be who you say you are, which represents the fact that you have been background checked by TSA. And then you get to go through security in four minutes or less. So that's the process from start to finish. Um, if you want to do that online portion, the piece where you enter the information on the computer, you can actually do that at any of our in-person enrollment stations. Um, so you can do both pieces at once. But most people find it more convenient just to do that from the comfort of their own home or from their office, that is the online piece, and then just come into uh, the in-person enrollment station to, for the biometric capture and the documents. Great. Yeah. And so, so if, I, if I happen to do that today, I could just at the next time, wherever, whatever airport I happen to be, they'd be able to call that, that record up to, exactly. to use the exactly. second part. They That's can just call that record up, and then they can associate the, the biometrics that they capture and the uh, document scans that they capture with that application and you're done. And as I said, we now have uh, enrollment locations, not just in our airports, although we have them obviously in all of our airports, but all in major downtown locations. So we have one, for example, in Washington, D.C., where we've got a partnership with American Express uh, now. So we have one of our enrollment locations at the American Express Travel Services Office at 15th and K. We have one through a partnership with the Congressional Federal Credit Union in the basement of the Longworth um, house office building mm -hmm. in Denver. We have partnerships uh, with uh, the Hyatt, for example. So we're located in, in the lobby of, of Hyatt hotels in our main cities. So um, we try and make it as convenient as possible for people to get to do their uh, to get to do their in-person enrollment. As I said, either at the airport or um, at a downtown location. That's great. From the standpoint then of the business model, Charles, the the you all don't get paid by the airports to deploy these networks. You're actually you're actually paying. I, I would assume paying for the space to deploy this at an airport. Is that correct? That's correct. We 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 pay the airports, uh, and and they are our partners, and uh, and and we pay them for um, as part of those partnerships that we have with them. That's okay, correct. and and then your so then your financial model is based on the the enrollment of of cardholders throughout the throughout the network. That's absolutely right. So it costs uh, $128 per year per member. That includes the $28 fee uh, per member per year that we pay to TSA to cover TSA's costs. And it also includes every other cost that we've got. So it, it includes what we pay to the airports. It includes what we pay our staff, uh, what we pay uh, for all of the technology and the infrastructure. 
that's all built into that $128 per person per year uh, fee. Okay. And, and, and a question from the, from the model perspective there that I've always been curious about is, are there some protections in place to say, you know, if, if there's a company out there who's a card issuer and they said, well, you know, we can issue these cards really well. We've got a, we've already got a base maybe, or, or we're, we're in that business, but we don't want to do any of the heavy lifting and the investments that, that you all are doing. Is there a danger that, that, that verified identity pass and others who are the ones kind of pioneering these programs might one day find that the, the lucrative part, the, the, the cardholder sign up gets kind of pulled away by other issuers or something. Is there protections out there for you from, from that? And there's, there's really a couple of answers to that question. One is, even if you want to <clears throat> focus on enrollment, uh, as part of the rules of the program, you still have to have a, a sponsoring entity. That sponsoring entity either has to be an airport or an airline who agrees to sponsor you into the program. Ah. Um, so you can't just go ahead and do it. You can't just apply to TSA and do it. You have to apply to TSA, and right now I'm just looking at their website, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight companies, including ourselves, that have been approved by TSA as meeting their minim, minimum criteria to, to offer registered traveler services. Um, but having done that, you then need to still get a, either an airport or an airline to sponsor you into the program. Um, so that's sort of one issue to bear in mind. You can't just do it willy-nilly. And second of all, what I'd say is that the, um, uh, the industry, uh, when we all got together, a couple of years ago when the rules for the, for the program were being shaped, and they are rules that are continuing to be shaped um, even as we speak, um, the industry got together and said to TSA that they contemplated that there would be a verification fee that would be paid uh, by the enrollment provider to the verification provider uh, when a member from an enrollment provider went through the verification kiosk of a verification provider. Okay. Um, so that's something that's contemplated by the industry. Uh, it's something that the industry is still working on, and we're working and discussing with TSA as well. So, so that's really the, the the way to address the issue that you just. Uh, okay. That so you just it sounds like a sounds like a financial card model in a lot of ways. Then where where you're where one person is compensated for the use of somebody else's a card issued by another financial institution, say, within the network. So that's, that's exactly what's contemplated. And just to be clear, what's, what's not being contemplated is it, there's no, uh, hasn't been any discussion of a per-use fee by the member. In other words, you know, our, uh, our fee is an annual fee. Uh, you get the card, and then you can use it as much as you want um, at any uh, lane that you want that is a, a, a lane is a registered traveler lane. Okay. Um, so the the model is a is a fee between the service providers, and it's it's not one that directly impacts the uh, the card holder. Okay, great. Um, and and that leads into another question that I've I've been curious about for a while. We've got we we cover a lot of the government ID projects, and so. We're, we're constantly discussing the FIPS 201 card programs for federal employees and contractors and the, yep. the TWIC card programs and these other, yep. these other programs out there, which are, in essence, issuing a, uh, a, a, an integrated circuit chip card with either a contact and or contactless interface with biometrics embedded in their yep. pre-vetting breeder documents and doing background checks. So a lot yep. of the same things that Registered Traveler is doing. Yep. Is there a thought that there might that these cards might come together one day, and these federal contractor or federal government employee cards could somehow work within the registered traveler environment? And and if so, 
how would you would you know the the compensation for for the model for 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 verified identity pass and the other providers to be paid for would maybe flow back to what we were just discussing is that make sense well, that's or? it's a great question and again a couple answers to it one i'll say um and this is kind of the baby steps that we think are completely obvious and appropriate which is all of these people who are eligible for example uh, people <laughs> who've received clearances um, to get those kinds of credentials from government agencies, for example. Uh, we've said from the very, very beginning, all of those people should be immediately eligible to get registered traveler cards. Right. And that they shouldn't have to go through a redundant security threat assessment by TSA when they've already been the subject of even more rigorous background checks for purposes of getting and being eligible for their government credentials. Uh, so we've said, listen, what we think should happen is that not only should we, and this is something we'd like to do and we've offered to do, um, is to offer uh, a substantial discount to those people, um, but the TSA itself, because they won't have to do the redundant background check, that they should be waiving their fee uh, as well. As I pointed out, you know, $28 of the $128 that we charge right. is, is we pass on to TSA. So that's something that we have proposed. Uh, it's not something that TSA um, has adopted at this point. Uh, they've simply said that they're studying the issue. Um, we, we, we think it's a total no-brainer. Uh, that's sort of the baby steps that we think make make total sense. Um, it, it's a funny thing. I should note that we, we field requests on a not infrequent basis from people you know, who have top-secret security clearances. We've re re received requests from people at DHS, from people at DOJ, saying, I've got this clearance. You know, Can I just get the card? And we have to explain, well, we, we totally agree with you, but right. we haven't quite got there yet. Um, but we're working hard to get there. Um, and then I think in terms of the integration that, of course, makes complete sense as well. Uh, the first place that we think that we should really see integration is with the new program that was just authorized by Congress in the Omnibus Appropriations Bill, which is the establishment of an international registered traveler program, okay. um, which is incredibly exciting. Um, it, it's obviously something similar to the existing domestic registered traveler program, uh, except this new program would be uh, uh, one that would allow frequent flyers who are pre-screened to go through immigration on a automated and speedy basis when they enter the country. Sure. Um, so to our mind, that program should be fully harmonized with the domestic registered traveler program because, first of all, so many of the people who are interested in one are going to be interested in the other. Um, they should be able to apply just once and say, I want you know this card or that card or both. Um, and ultimately, it really should just be a, a single token that people have to use. So that's something that we're continuing to work on um, every day, especially now that just within the last few weeks that new international traveler program was, was organized. So that, I think, is a perfect example of the kind of harmonization of these programs that makes total sense, and we just have to work to make sure it happens. All right, that's great points, and and that will be the international registered pro traveler program will be a great conversation topic for us for another day as well. <laughs> all right, well that's all the time we have today, but I, Charles, I really want to thank you for joining us and helping us uh, and and the listeners out there get a sense for where the registered traveler program has has come in in a in a very short time, really, and how and what the future looks like. So so thanks again to Charles Simon, senior vice president for public policy with Verified Identity Pass, and and best of luck for continued success. Well, I really, again, Chris, I really appreciate the opportunity, and uh, I would just urge people, uh, give myself a little uh, toot on the horn here, if you're interested in, in the program, um, if you go to flyclear.com, 
you can learn much, much more about it. And if you're interested in enrolling, uh, all the information about enrolling, you can get right there at that site. All right. Thanks a lot. We'll see you in the clear lines.